This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to Waterfall Wednesday, Target Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I am your host today, Dale Lugabill. Nick J is uh, gallivanting down in Panama. I uh, was supposed to have one he recorded previously uh, when I was gallivanting in South Dakota chasing snow geese, but don't know what happened with it. Um, the file wasn't working or something or other. I don't know. I was stumbling all over our, our Google Drive. I finally found it, and then it wouldn't download or play. So one of us messed up. Don't know who it is. Doesn't really matter. So I want to give you one hot and fresh right away uh, on this Wednesday. So we are going to talk about, uh, I am going to talk about A-frames and panel blinds. So I haven't really had a ton of experience with them. Uh, I used one last year, spring snow goose hunting, and uh, I really liked it. I had it set up on a field edge, and it was like kind of almost under a tree, but not really under a tree. Anyways, well, where I first put it, was actually kind of this little drainage ditch, which, you know, when everything was still frozen and dry, it was great. I mean, that thing, because then it was like, I, like a lot of people, the fact that these panel blinds sit up so high, you kind of, you, you feel a little bit exposed. So I loved being down in that ditch because then it like reduced a lot of that height and there was like a hill behind me and it blended right in. I mean, that thing absolutely disappeared so i loved that part about it of course once we got a bunch of snow and the snow started melting 
and the floodwaters started coming up, I realized, um, much like real estate, location, 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 um, <laughs> wasn't the greatest place to have put that fly. So uh, I and my client said to pick it up, and we moved it um, kind of up on that hill. That ended up kind of putting us underneath the tree, which still worked all right. It was, it was fine. Um, it was just for shooting... If the birds are behind the tree, actually, you know, try to try to shoot through the tree, or just wait till they cleared the cleared the tree before you could shoot. So it was it worked pretty good. But that was the only brand that I'd used, and that was the um, Lucky Duck, I believe, A frame. And I I like the way they set up. That um, it, it worked really good. It's double strapped inside, so they had these little. Um, gun holders that just clip to the top bar those are nice they have each each section is set up it's for four people one section is set up to hunt four people and you're pretty cozy in there to be honest you know sitting on a bucket but you can definitely do four people in one section and we had two sections combined which then you can pretty much hunt nine because of the the flaps on the side that would normally uh cover your ends click together to make it all one unit when you use two of them so that kind of creates an extra space right in the middle which for me as a, as a guide works good because you can actually give you just a little bit of room to see there's a little bit of a gap there kind of helps you so you can kind of sneak a peek out and watch birds so that worked pretty good but each spot in front of it has front and back has a nice big pocket on the, the panel material so it put snacks or a box of shells or whatever you want that actually works that actually works pretty slick um i don't really the only downside i would say is they don't have and this is a problem out there um there's no it doesn't come with any stake system it's any way to stake it to the ground so i always had to make shift you know put t-posts in there or something and tie it off with tie wire but it actually does pretty good just the way it's designed because once you put hook all the frame up and everything it's kind of a one piece so if it's blowing on the one side you know it's pushing down on the other and it can't really blow over and of course if you have human beings in it you know that you just kind of lean back on the the panel and it can't go anywhere with that said uh, there is definitely a limit uh, because it will blow away happened to me uh, each year and the last year I didn't have it staked down uh, and then I mean it did after the fact but um, didn't realize I needed to do that and then this year I did stake it down right away but it still wasn't enough as the ground got soft and uh, just it was that windy that's the other problem like it was a legit windstorm you know well over 50 mile an hour I don't know what the actual gusts were but it sucked so yeah, if they had uh, some sort of staking system, I think would be would be good. Um, even if it feels like a tie-out system, you know, almost like a tent or uh, anyway, it's ever gone ice fishing. Use those hub houses. How they, I mean, those have the little tie-down stakes too, but they also have the ones that come out, you know, from the where they pop out. Just to because on a super windy day you're in there like you were getting pushed like it would push you know it literally would the gusts would like push you forward as you're leaning back against the 
against the blind. So it might be nice to be able to like actually tether that out so that those are they they can't push. But I don't know. That's whole something we experimented with. Maybe maybe they're working on something. I don't know. So that was the um, the Lucky Duck. Those are about four hundred bucks a section, and that sounds like a lot. Like we're having this conversation. I was talking with Joel the other day, and he was like, "Yeah, they're expensive." Or was it might have been Austin? I don't remember. Could have been both. Anyways. Um, they're kind of expensive. They, they are, if you're looking at, you know, the cost versus a layout blind, like a one person layout blind, they're a little bit more than that. But again, well, depending on the brand, I mean, I went online, I was looking there, it's actually some panel blinds that are about the same as a, as an expensive layout blind, but they hunt four people. So, I mean, I don't know how tight knit you're crew is but if everybody kind of went in on it uh you know four people it's only 100 bucks a piece so it's really really not that bad and i will say after using them now for a couple years that they're they are worth it um the other one we hunted out of this year and cody had this one in his field was the uh tangle free panel blind so the two terms kind of get intermixed and everybody knows what you mean but uh, after using it, I do understand why they call it a panel blind versus an A-frame. Well, because it's not an A-frame. <laughs> if you think of the letter A and it's not a frame, it literally are, is a series of panels. So you get the one panel that they each each section is like its own section, and they clip together. And I'm pretty sure you could fold them if you want to. Kind of checking one out online right now, uh, but they kind of click together. And so just like with the A-frame, you can put two series together and extend it out. And those work pretty good. Now, those are actually even more like they're the the Lucky Duck A-frame. The opening in the top is, is pretty wide, which for a, a con, if not brushed in really well, there's a little too much overhead emptiness so like birds can just see down inside so you really got to brush it in good the a-frame or the panel blind sorry has like when you put those ones together like it there's not much of an oh there's like just enough opening for you to like stand up pivot and shoot like it's it was much smaller much 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 smaller so that was kind of good but also I mean, in the heat of moment when you're calling the shot, you didn't really notice it too much, but it was a little, um, I don't know, there was an extra step when you when you would sit up and shoot and fire and everything. Uh, I think I like the A-frame better. They both had their, you know, pros and cons. On the, um, on the actual panel blind, that did come with stakes to stake it down, and... Cody's never blew away, so they actually worked pretty good, uh, whereas mine did. <laughs> that is the A-frame did, so keep that in mind. But I would think most people that are using these things aren't aren't doing a set it and forget it, you know, permanent spread kind of a deal. That you're going to take it down the day you use it. Um, they take a while to brush in, but once you brush them in that first time, you kind of just leave them brushed. Now I will say, make sure that you're using dry material like if you brush it in with if it's early season and you brush it in with like fresh green 
tall ditch grass, you're not going to want to store it like that. It's going to mold. It's going to get nasty. Or even if you brush it in with dry and it rained, don't put it away wet. You know, that's keep that in mind. You're going to get you're going to get the same the same thing. But if it's dry, throw that sucker in your trailer. It'll be ready to be brushed in for you when you get back. Now, I haven't used any other brands. Those are the two brands that I've used. Um, oh, so the other thing on the, there's no like peak holes on the A-frame, but there are peak holes on the panel blind, which seem like a good idea, but once you brush that all in, you're kind of blocking those anyways. Um, so I don't know, maybe if they had some mesh there, kind of like that see-through mesh that a lot of like turkey blinds have, that might not be a bad idea. Um, I will say, so I had it in that, you could get it in that Optifade um, camel, you know, just like the Sitka gear. And man, I swear, I'm half tempted to try that without brushing it in. If you If you hunt in a combine cornfield, I mean, that is one of the most impressive camel patterns that I've ever seen come out. Like in a combine cornfield, those things, th th that pattern just blends in so freaking well. I actually wouldn't mind setting one up with no brush on it whatsoever just to see, just to see how they do. Because I can tell you, properly brushed in, they don't care. So I'll go back to setting these things up. So I could go through different brands, but honestly, I don't have any experience with those. I've only used two that I've used, so I'm not really going to speak on um, on that. I'm on Tangle Free's website right now. They do have snow covers for theirs, so you end up you'd end up hunting out of a, a white box, just like um, just like Nick J. <laughs> that looks kind of cool, which. I guess at least you don't need to brush it in if it's all white, maybe. But I think if you just had your regular, properly brushed in, uh, tangle-free blind, I don't think it's going to matter if it's white or not, even if you put it in the middle of a white field, because it's just going to look like a big clump of grass. And so that'll get into to brushing it in. So I like when I set mine up this year, I had a ton of time to brush it in, and I brushed that thing in so gangster. I mean, it was, that's as good, honestly, pat myself on the back, that's as good as I've ever seen a blind brushed in. The reason I took more time to brush it in is because this year when I went out to that field, you know, that little ditch area that I was telling you I set up in, where the tree was and all the grass and stuff, and it blended in really nice, yeah, that's not there anymore. It's just two clumps of dirt. Apparently, the farmer went and cut the tree down and ground the stump out, and the whole works. So um, that wasn't there. So I had always heard that you can just set these A-frame panel blinds up kind of anywhere, anywhere, and it'll still work. I was a little hesitant. Um, growing up in, not growing up, but hunting through the era of layout blinds where you guys all remember like the X lander that was like the lowest profile blind and that was that was like a thing you got to be low you can't cast a shadow and these things were low they got I think they got them down to like 14 inches high they weren't super comfortable but they were really low I mean that was a thing and then people kind of realized that that didn't really matter that much so they went back to making them big and comfortable and all that stuff but 
these A-frames, these panel blinds, these go the complete opposite direction. I mean, these are definitely not low profile. They are just sticking out. And it seems weird. You know, you're out there basically with panel, with um, layout blinds, you're trying to totally disappear. Like, like you don't even... Like there's nothing in the field, you know. If you do, if you if you brush them in just right, you barely even look like a bump in the field, right? That's kind of the the method. Um, but with the A-frame, that's not the case. So, anyways, point I'm trying to get to, point I'm rambling on about is, uh, I'm like, well, I'm gonna try it. So I just set it up in the middle of the field. I went up on this this big the high point in the field. I didn't put it right on the peak of that point. I actually kind of brought it down the hillside just a little bit. So we're setting up for a south wind, even though we rarely got a south wind this year, but that just that's neither here nor there. Um, I don't know that it matters in the long run, but in my mind, I figured, what the hell. The reason being is that birds coming in from the north flying into a south wind, the top of my A-frame blind matched the top of the hill. So... You know, if you're up in the air flying and you're looking down, you're not going to have that big, they're not going to skyline you, for a lack of a better term. You know, you're just going to kind of blend into the the hillside. Now, again, I don't know how much it matters because I had this thing brushed in really good. I used, there was this really tall, um, woody kind of plant material. I don't know what it's called. It's almost like a tumbleweed, but it's not because they're... You know, tumbleweeds are like short and really bushy, and this this isn't. But it kind of has that same stocky. You could they're easy to grab because you can just literally snap them off. So you could grab a bunch of them and they palm out at the top. So they covered really really well, and they were tall. So I continued. So the way the A frame sits, they get the the flat side that comes up perfectly vertical, and then they angle in towards each other. So I put those along those tops and they actually had them like crisscrossing at the top so a total canopy over top of your head you had to like when you went inside you had to hunch over to move you know through or situate yourself but once you're sitting down it was like the perfect height and then i used that on the sides too but when i kind of looked at it, it was kind of all monochrome it was like all just that drab brown color which again probably would have been fine but i had plenty of time so I went back because in this CRP area where I was getting all my blind material, it happened to have um, this really bright yellow um, broadleaf-like grass, grass clumps. So I went and I grabbed a crap ton of that stuff. This took a long time, I'm telling you. And anybody who's ever brushed in a blind of any kind knows that you need way more blind material than you think you do. If you think you have enough, double it, and then you probably still don't have enough. But anyways, so I grabbed a bunch of that. And uh, I put that on the bottom row. So just like it was out in the CRP, where that stuff would sit up about a foot, 18 inches, the yellow stuff, and then you'd have the taller stuff on top of it. And that really blended it in good because that yellow grass really blended into the corn trash that was out there. I mean, it looked, it looked, I would show you a picture if I, if I had the ability. It was, uh, it was really awesome. Maybe I'll make a post and just attach it to it for the, for this uh, episode. But anyways, this is what I can tell you. The first time, you know, when I set it up out there, it looked really brushed in. I was like, well, if it's going to work, it's going to work on this one just because it's that well blended in. These birds 
I, when I can, I can really only speak for hunting snows because obviously it's the spring. So I do want to try this in the fall for honkers and see how they react to it. But these birds did not care. Everything we shot at, we shot at right where we wanted, right where my sound was and my movement was 20 yards out from us. Just perfect. Um, we shot some closer, but I mean, they were trying to, you know, where they were trying to get in is right where I want them to try to get in. Um, never, as long as you stay still there, you know, never flared on us. They did not. I had some super low ones that would come around the side. So, um, yeah, they didn't care. I mean, you basically look like a big, you know, like a, a pivot on an irrigation center. It's just a big pile of weeds that, you know, didn't get cut down by the machinery. It, it's really. So it, it feels a little weird the first time you're doing it, if you're like me, because you get in that mindset of trying to totally disappear, if you will. But it, it wasn't a problem. It was kind of a little bit like the first time you lay out in whites, if you've ever done that. If you ever hunted the snow goose thing and you just lay out in whites, you're on a backboard, no blind, and you're just laying in the decoys. Man, do you feel exposed doing that shit. And until it works and then you're like well screw it i guess it doesn't matter because it works it seems that has been losing effectiveness a little bit with that said we did just fine this year uh on the one field we had we were laying out in whites but i've seen i've heard other people talk about how they don't think it's working as good and actually people are kind of going back to layout blinds in some in some instances um but i think that the layout blinds too are still a problem. You know, you got to make sure you really blend those in. I think the key for those is actually putting material in between your blinds. So you don't just become, you know, if you're hunting with six guys, six perfectly spaced rectangular things all in a row. Um, I think the geese are kind of getting wise to that as pressure continues. Um, but not that many people are running these A-frame and panel blinds yet. I think that's one of the reasons they work so well. Now, if these things really take off popularity, more and more people use them, I could see their effectiveness dying off a little bit as birds, you know, get shot out of it, and they're going to probably, you know, avoid them a little bit, and then you're going to have to go back to either edge hiding or, you know, maybe then not as many people are doing layout blinds, and you can kind of go back to layout blinds. Um, it would be interesting. Uh, to see how these how these go but I will say I'm going to pick I definitely want to pick some up for our private hunting you know not guiding just for my own because uh, Premier Flight owns these not me um, but they worked exceptionally well um, they keep you out of the wind and I mean that was a day saver a lot of the days because it was crazy windy out there almost every day and you tuck down in there and you just don't realize, you know, you kind of get used to not fighting the wind. You know, you can hear it whipping, you know, like I said, it's pushing against your back. And, you know, you stand up to stretch out and then you're like, whoo, it's cold up here. And you tuck back down and get out of the wind. Like, they're actually pretty nice uh, for that. And I could see bringing a little heater out there would probably work. Obviously, it's open top, so you're going to, you know, it's not going to be like an ice house or anything and hold that height hold that heat in but just having it kind of blowing on you or being able to on your hands or putting your boots in front of it or something i could definitely see that so for next year i might actually pick up a couple like little buddy heaters and just have like two per panel 
or two per section of A-frame. Um, just for client's sake, if they get cold, I'm usually pretty good, but a lot of times clients will show up, they're not quite properly dressed or they underestimate just how much clothing they're going to need. Um, so that's an idea. Just be wary of the flame and light that thing on fire. <laughs> that could be a problem. I didn't need to do it this year because it was pretty dry, but a pro tip, if you're in, if it's really muddy, um, one thing I did last year is I had a uh, bale of straw and I spread that on the floor. That was really nice. Kept you from getting, you know, clumps of mud everywhere. Because that's the other thing. As people get up and they, you know, step outside to pee, and they just make a mud circle around your your A-frame. And if you have that straw down in there, I mean, obviously you could just use ditch grass or whatever else. But put a little layer down. That's pretty nice. Keeps your feet out of the mud. Keeps your, your um, gun butt out of the mud. That's kind of the other thing I will say is, you know, you lean your guns up against the, the walls of it. And if it is muddy, it just kind of suck. I mean, you just you know your sleeve's just gonna get muddy as you go to shoulder your weapon. Then you got mud smeared all over your shoulder, which I realize isn't the worst thing in the world, but it is kind of annoying. So set something underneath that, you know, uh, anything, a plastic bag, blah blah blah. But having that straw down was really nice um, to keep every just kept everything cleaner and neater. It was just. Didn't have to do it this year because, like I said, it was really dry. But something to think about if you uh, do go down the panel blind A-frame route. I was looking online at uh, just, you know, just Googled it or whatever. And there's, they all look pretty similar. Like the Rigam right looks just like the uh, Tangle Free. The Cabela's A-frame looks just like the Northern Flight. looks like the um, like Avian X one. Um, they're all pretty much the same. There's one here called, this one, let me click on that one. The Drake Ghillie Foreman Blind. That one's, that one's different. That's, that looks like really kind of sectional. It even has an over top, over the top kind of like, uh, ceiling or, or hood on it so that that one's kind of interesting um, they're all pretty similar honestly um, so I can't I can only really recommend what I know what I've used and you know the Cabela's one is 300 bucks tank freeze is 330 the um, when I was using lucky duck that was 400 so they're, the prices are all a little bit all over the place, but yet, at the same time, not not crazy different. So I would just, um, there, 220 for a Rigam Wright panel blind at Rogers. That's pretty cheap. So I don't know. Um, do some research, figure out what you how you want them, and uh, yeah, give them a try. I, um, I really like the way they work. I really really like the way they work oh the other the other con is that uh can't take naps in them as good <laughs> so in spring snow goose season when you get that nice warm sunshine day which we hardly got any of those but anyways oh man there's nothing better than a good snow goose nap oh god i love it i mean i don't get the nap when i'm guiding but when you're buddy hunting yeah taking a good snow goose nap middle part of the day that's great can't really do that because you're sitting up or sitting on a bucket now, if you're hunting by yourself, 
you could there's plenty of room to throw a cot in there. <laughs> like you could you could do that. <laughs> you could easily take a nap then. Um but yeah, the weather it just you can't nap as good. But that's all I gotta say about that. So that's uh that's panel blind. Definitely give it a shot. Uh they are worth it. Just make sure it's brushed in really good or not. I mean, I'm gonna try the I'm gonna try the or not one of these days. Just get the Optifade, throw it in the uh, combine cornfield, and just see. You'd have to be really still inside of there though. That's the only, like they're gonna pick up movement um, a lot. I will say this for snow goose hunters, you gotta be wary. Don't and I have it. People come out and they think they're snow goose hunting, so they got the white hoodies on. If you're hunting out of a panel blind or an A-frame, don't wear white. It kind of defeats the purpose because now there's this white thing that you can see moving inside there. Doesn't matter. Will it matter? I don't know. But better just to eliminate the possibility. So you want to go full regular camo when you're hunting out of these things, not white. Just something to keep in mind. Um, try to tell people that you know before we walk out, like, hey, do you got some not white camo you can wear? And it could be anything. It could be woodland camo. It doesn't have to be like waterfall camo because you're inside this thing. It doesn't really matter. It's just like blending in into the shadows that, you know, that's basically what you're hiding in is the big shadow that this thing casts when you're inside of it. So even something dark would probably be better than bright white. So there's that. Uh, touch on the bird flu real quick as to, uh, coming back from the Dakotas. It's definitely uh, a thing, but I do see it kind of getting blown out of proportion uh, i hear from a lot of people and it's it's always people that haven't got out there oh i've heard it's really really bad that there's there's hundreds of geese just laying dead everywhere well if you have a really big roost and they all leave and you go down there yeah there's probably going to be a lot of dead birds um floating around or washed up to shore uh, but you have to look at it in like a percentage deal like, what you're not seeing is just random birds laying in fields as you drive around. Like, that's not really a thing. I mean, yes and no, I guess. I mean, I guess I've seen, I haven't seen any dead ones, but I've seen, like, you know, a loner out there in the field by itself, which it's hard to tell if that was, you know, like I had one in the field that I set up in this year. I actually ran him down. It's the first bird I harvested. I don't know that it was sick. It actually, because it had a bad wing, it could have been, a you know, a cripple from somebody else's, hunting setup so really hard to hard to say but i didn't really see much of that but yeah i did see if you go to like a big roost area you'll find a few dead birds there but you got to look at it like this way let's say there's a hundred dead birds you might go holy crap there was a hundred dead birds well if there's a hundred or fifty thousand birds in that roost you know what's that percentage it's not it's, it's not a lot so It'll be interesting to see what the estimated tally is at the end of this spring snow season to see just how many we lost. And a lot of people are freaking out that it's going to end the season. Yeah, that that's not going to happen. Um, also, uh, unselfishly, we do have to think about that. And I know a lot of people, I included, like when you hear it's a good hatch, you're like, yeah, because that means there's going to be good shooting. But overall, number-wise, uh, conservation-wise, <laughs> bigger numbers is not what we should be going for in in the realm of snow goose hunting. So, 
Um, great for shooting, maybe not so great for nature. Um, although we are seeing that the impact, even the impacts of that aren't quite as bad as we originally thought they were going to be. Um, but there's plenty. We don't need record hatches to uh, <laughs> exacerbate the problem because then you get stuff like this, a, a disease breakout, and the more birds you have, the faster it's going to spread. So one curious thing, and I still have yet to see this, um, and I tried doing a little digging research yesterday and found nothing. Um, so I didn't really see, I personally, me, my own two eyes, I don't dispute that it hasn't happened. I'm just telling you my experience. I only saw dead snow geese. I didn't see any honkers, specks, ducks, seagulls, cormorants. Like I saw no other dead birds. And I mentioned this online and one guy was like, give me shit about it. Um, I'll hesitate to say talking out of his ass because he was like, well, every species of goose has its own habits, migratory uh, routes and the way they feed and the way they roost. It's like, shut up, dude. Two reasons you should shut up. One, and this isn't a brag thing, but I'm guiding. I'm out here every single day. You don't, you don't have to uh, educate me on the habits of the snow goose. Fairly well versed in that. And I know you're not because you said shit like they have different migrating patterns. But technically, maybe they do, but they're real similar and they intermix all of the time in flight, in feed fields, on roosts, on loafs. So they are definitely in contact with one another. You see plenty of snows mixed in with specks. You see plenty of cackers and hawkers. Ducks for sure. Ducks mix in like crazy. Everything decoys to a white spread, man. Like, clearly, you don't know what you're talking about. The other thing is, this is the same bird flu that's wiping through these snow geese that's causing havoc with turkey and poultry producers. Well, they're not migrating together. So one makes you ask, how is that possible? Because it's spread through nasal um, stuff, so that would make sense, you know, just like any our human flu is. But it's also spread through their shit. So literally, as they're flying over, a bird flies over, poops, you know, on a turkey farm. All it takes is one turkey to get it, and then they're so enclosed in those little thing. It's it, spreads through there like wildfire so that's so they don't have to fly together even though they do you're an idiot they don't have to fly together in order for them to spread that virus so thanks for the hot tip buddy you're the best keep in touch <laughs> so i feel like it gets a little bit blown out of proportion but i will be it will be interesting to see especially like how um how it goes on the nesting grounds. Now they're not as tight together when they're on their nesting grounds. Their nests usually have a, a decent amount of space, at least a few videos that I've watched on it. I'm talking about snow geese now. So maybe that'll slow down the spread. Um, but I'm curious to see like once if it kind of runs its course and the adults kind of get it, hopefully, you know, they survive it and then have their immunity when they're Babies all hatch out. 
hopefully it doesn't just, you know, wipe through all those young, weak babies. We'll see. It'll, it's going to be an interesting when we keep in tabs on it and keep an eye on it. But um, I tried to find more on it, and uh, I assume other bird species, because if turkeys and uh, chickens are dying, then I'll then the other waterfall have to be dying of it too. I'm just not seeing it. But going back to that percentage thing, it kind of makes sense that maybe I wouldn't. You know, you literally have 11 million lesser snow geese, and I don't know what the global population of specs is. I think it's like one and a half or two million. So it's substantially less. And definitely percentage-wise in the area you're hunting, it's going to be, you know, way, 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 way less than what you see the snows. So if it's the same... If the same percentage of birds are being affected, yeah, you're just not going to see them as as readily. So, and maybe the fact that they're not bright white, I'm just not seeing them. That's a possibility too. But I don't know if anybody is. I'm interested if anybody out there has actually saw you know any dead honkers or dead specks or dead ducks. Uh, let me know because I've yet to talk to anybody that's seen anything other than snow geese. So just kind of, I just found it interesting that maybe the snow geese are more susceptible to it. I don't know. It's just. Just a bit of curiousness. I'll have to sick Nick J on that one. Maybe he can do his bird nerd stuff and and get to it. That's uh. So yeah, that's uh all I got. Oh, by the way, we do have an official, a f- official sponsor of Waterfall Wednesdays, and it's Cutthroat Bow Fishing. That might seem kind of weird. You guys are you know. Waterfallers, not bow fishermen. But if you haven't done this, and so a lot of people like me fish and hunt, right? Not the craziest thing. And I've bow fished and I love bow fishing. It's actually a lot of fun. Uh, but for those waterfallers that, you know, you're not into fishing and you don't know what to do with yourself during the summertime, you really should try bow fishing because it, it's, it's, the fishing part of that term is like not necessarily accurate. This is hunting. Like this is shooting. You're sitting there on the boat. You're driving around. You get the floodlights out, and then you're like, "Oh, there's one right there!" And it's like really fast action. Um, it's really, really, really exciting. So if anyone would like to try that out, or you're already fully versed on bow fishing, but you need a place to go, check out Cutthroat Bow Fishing. Uh, my buddy Nolan runs that. You can give him a call at, and I'll put this in the uh, show notes. So you can see it. You can give him a call at 952-288-8675. It's 952-288-8675. And he's down there by La Center, Minnesota. That's kind of like the nexus that uh, he goes out of. He's got a cool fan boat. The thing is decked out. It's uh, it's pretty damn awesome. So you should give give that a try. So... Thanks, Cutthroat Bow Fishing, for sponsoring Waterfall Wednesday, an actual official paid sponsor. Oh, we're big time now, ladies and gentlemen. Big time. So, all right. That's what I got for you. Stay tuned next week. Hopefully, we'll have a regular old uh, me and Nick J episode. See you then.